Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet following the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBT community. In this week's headlines, Ireland elected its first openly gay prime minister. Newly elected French President Emmanuel Macron stands up for gay men in Chechnya. The Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals rules in favor of a transgender student in Wisconsin. Illinois is about to ban the use of gay panic defense in courtrooms. The Navy and the Pentagon honor Pride Month. All that and more in this good news episode of The Randy Report. An editorial note to begin with. After last week's podcast, a regular listener commented, wow, that was one sad podcast. And it struck me. I do try and mix it up here on The Randy Report with good news and serious topics that I think are important. And along the way, I share the political, pop culture, and entertainment news items that I think are most interesting from the week. But in any case, last week's LGBT headlines were on the dark side. And so I was inspired by that comment and the beginning of Pride Month, to make this podcast all good news. So, here we go. Two years after becoming the first country to legalize same-sex marriage by popular vote, Ireland just elected its first openly gay prime minister, a position I believe the Irish call Taoiseach. In addition, 38-year-old Leo Varadkar becomes Ireland's youngest leader ever, as well as the first from an ethnic minority background. Woohoo! Varadkar was chosen on Friday by the Feingale Party to be its leader and therefore the head of the center-right governing coalition. While Feingale doesn't have a clear majority in Parliament, the party and its allies does have the largest block of seats, making him the next prime minister. In his acceptance speech, he declared Ireland a republic that holds no prejudice. He became emotional as he described how, as the child of an Irish Catholic nurse and a Hindu doctor from India, he was proud to live in a country where the son of an immigrant can become leader. Last week, former Vice President Joe Biden officiated the wedding of Henry Muniz, the finance chair for the Democratic National Committee, and his husband, Kyle Ferrari. Actress Melanie Griffith captured the moment for Instagrammers with the caption, My dearest friends, Henry Munez and Kyle Ferrari, were married today by VP Joe Biden, wishing them everlasting love and a joyous life journey. Regular followers of Joe Biden know this isn't his first time at the same-sex marriage rodeo. You'll recall that last August, genial Joe married White House staffers Brian Mosteller and Joe Mashi. Biden shared the happy news on Twitter at the time, writing, Proud to marry Brian and Joe at my house. Couldn't be happier. Two longtime White House staffers, two great guys. Well, it takes one to know one, Joe. And I should say in related news, Joe launched a new political action committee this week, American Possibilities Pack, which has many wondering if he's considering a run for president in 2020. Speaking to the press in January about the 2016 presidential race, he said about his decision not to run, quote, I regret it every day, but it was the right decision for my family and me and I plan on staying deeply involved. We'll see how deeply involved he becomes in the next couple of years. In international news, 
President Trump has yet to address the horrific torture of gay men in Chechnya, but newly elected French President Emmanuel Macron brought up the subject immediately with his first face-to-face -face meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Speaking to reporters after the meeting, Macron said he discussed the reports of torture and punishment of gay men in Chechnya with Mr. Putin and that they had agreed on a, quote, very regular monitoring, end quote, of the situation. According to the French president, Putin told him that he had taken measures to establish the complete truth on the activities of local authorities in Chechnya, but he did not specify what those measures were. President Macron went on to say, as for me, I will be constantly vigilant on these issues which are keeping with our values. In related news, Joel Demier, president of French LGBT rights organization SOS Homophobie, told news outlet France Info that France has started taking in gay refugees from Chechnya. Definitely good news. For the first time in eight years, the White House did not issue a proclamation honoring June as Pride Month. But that's all right, because here's the good news. The Navy joined the nation in recognizing lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender Americans for Pride Month throughout June. In a statement issued by the Navy, the LGBT community is part of one Navy team that contributes their diverse talents, skills, and service to the strength of the force. Captain Candace Eckert, Special Assistant for Inclusion and Diversity wrote, To remain the finest seagoing fighting force, the Navy needs men and women who are the right fit for the right job, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, creed, or gender identity. Our goal is to ensure that the mission is carried out by the most qualified and capable sailors. If an individual can meet the Navy's standards, they should be afforded the opportunity to be part of the One Navy team. The Navy is committed to recruiting and retaining top talent regardless of race, class, sex, or background. A diverse, inclusive environment allows diversity of thought and innovation to thrive. Those values are demonstrated in recent policy changes like, in 2011, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, allowing gay, lesbian, and bisexuals to serve openly in the U.S. Armed Forces. In 2016, the Department of Defense instituted a policy change allowing transgender individuals to serve in the military as their preferred gender. And speaking of, the Defense Department issued its own statement observing June as LGBT Pride Month as well, recognizing the DOD's lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender service members and civilians. The DOD's statement read in part, quote, Integrity and respect are fundamental qualities of our military and civilian culture. As we celebrate the diversity of the total force, we honor all those who have answered the call to serve and their unwavering commitment to our shared mission. During the month of June, let us celebrate the diversity of the DOD workforce and rededicate ourselves to equity, dignity, and respect for all. Later in June, on the 12th, DOD Pride and Employee Resource Group will host its annual celebration at the Pentagon. Good news, folks. Also this week, we got a groundbreaking ruling from the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, which issued a decision in favor of Ash Whitaker, the transgender student plaintiff in Whitaker v. Kenosha Unified School District. According to the Transgender Law Center, 
the court upheld the preliminary injunction issued by a federal district court in September of 2016 that has allowed Ash, a senior at Tremper High School in Kenosha, Wisconsin, to use the boys' restrooms at school throughout his senior year without fear of discipline or invasive surveillance by school officials. The unanimous three-judge panel held that transgender students are protected from discrimination under Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972 and the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. The appellate judges agreed with the lower court's ruling that Ash was significantly harmed by the school district's discriminatory practices that singled him out from other students and that the school district failed to provide anything more than sheer conjecture that permitting Ash to use the boys' restrooms would harm anyone. Describing the school district's actions as arbitrary and in violation of his constitutional rights, the court wrote, the school district has failed to provide any evidence of how the preliminary injunction will harm it or any of its students or parents, whereas the harms to Ash are well-documented and supported by the record. The Seventh Circuit Court, which covers Wisconsin, Illinois, and Indiana, is the first federal appeals court to find definitively that transgender students have the right to be treated in accordance with the student's gender identity at school, both under Title IX and the Constitution. Before the injunction, Ash had been using the boys' restrooms for the first seven months of his junior year without incident, until school administrators intervened, threatened him with disciplinary action, and subjected him to constant surveillance. To avoid punishment, Ash tried to avoid using the bathroom at school altogether. As a result of being singled out for discrimination by his school, Ash suffered serious depression, anxiety, and other physical and educational harms. This ruling is very good news. On Wednesday, the Illinois House of Representatives unanimously passed a bill prohibiting the gay panic defense, which has allowed alleged murderers to defend their actions in court by arguing that their victim's sexual orientation triggered their crime. Gay panic defenses have often resulted in defendants being found guilty of lesser charges or have been used as a factor in lighter sentencing. In a Mississippi case, Vincent James McGee was charged with capital murder for stabbing and killing Richard Barrett in 2010. McGee was only convicted of manslaughter after he claimed Barrett dropped his pants and asked McGee to perform a sexual act on him. Trigger. An Illinois jury acquitted Joseph Biederman of first-degree murder in 2009 after he stabbed his neighbor, Terrence Michael Hauser, 61 times. Biederman claimed Hauser had made an unwanted sexual advance and that he merely wanted to defend himself. Trigger. Hey, pal. You could just say no thanks. SB 1761, this new bill, has already been unanimously passed by the Illinois State Senate and now heads to the governor's desk, who is expected to sign it into law. Once he does, Illinois will become the second state in the country to ban the gay and transgender panic defense. Only California currently outlaws the tactic, although the American Bar Association has called for its abolition in 2013. On Friday this week, Google Doodle celebrated the 66th birthday of Gilbert Baker, the creator of the rainbow flag who passed away this past March. 
In the 1970s, Baker taught himself to sew and put those skills to work for the San Francisco gay community, making banners for marches and protests. In 1978, Baker decided to create a new symbol for the LGBT community to replace the pink triangle. The triangle had served as a symbol of oppression and devastation from the Nazis' classification of LGBT people during World War II. Baker envisioned something more positive and celebratory. Speaking of his design, Baker once said, we needed something beautiful, something from us. The rainbow is so perfect because it really fits our diversity in terms of race, gender, ages, all those things. Plus, it's a natural flag. It's from the sky. According to reports, creating the flag was no small task, though. Aided by 30 volunteers in the attic of the Gay Community Center in San Francisco, Baker led his team hand-dyeing and sewing together over a thousand yards of cotton. The original flag used eight colors, each representing a different aspect of the community. Hot pink for sex, red for life, orange for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, turquoise for art, indigo for serenity, and violet for spirit. Eventually, Baker dropped hot pink due to lack of availability of fabric and amended the indigo and turquoise to become royal blue. The iconic symbol stuck, and as the gay rights movement took flight in the 1980s, Baker was flooded with requests for more flags, and the rest is history. We thank Gilbert Baker for this incredible contribution to the LGBT rights movement. I want to give a shout out to my friend, and I don't mean to brag here, pop icon and longtime LGBT ally, Olivia Newton-John, who on Tuesday reluctantly hit pause on her current concert tour after the revelation that back pain that had initially caused her to postpone the first half of her concert tour had turned out to be breast cancer that has metastasized to the sacrum. However, no sadness here, folks, because the always upbeat Aussie icon says she will complete a short course of photon radiation therapy and is confident she will be back later in the year, better than ever, to celebrate her shows. As I've come to know firsthand over the years, Olivia takes every challenge life presents and turns it into something positive. Many will recall that Olivia was one of the very first major celebrities to go public with her breast cancer journey in 1992. It was that journey that inspired her to help raise over $200 million to build the Olivia Newton-John Cancer and Wellness Center in Melbourne, Australia. She's also been a staunch LGBT ally for decades. She was one of the very first Australian celebrities to come out strongly in favor of marriage equality in 2012. She's also performed at packed Pride festivals in Los Angeles, New York City, Chicago, and Sydney. Olivia's been touring lately to promote her inspiration album, Live On, a personal collection of songs meant to help those overcoming challenges and grief. The project was inspired by the loss of her sister Rona to brain cancer in 2013. See how she does this? Takes lemons, makes lemonade. Positive. During my cancer journey in 2009, Olivia was in touch with me constantly checking on my progress and always offering her positive outlook. And she hates the words cancer survivor or cancer victim, negative. She has long held that she views herself as a cancer thriver since she conquered her initial bout with cancer. And now here's another good news part of this story. 
Her dedicated fans banded together with a plan to take her to the top of the charts yet again. Olivia shared with audiences at her concerts for years that when she first conquered cancer, she wrote a song, Not Gonna Give In To It, for her 1994 Gaia album, which she says has become her personal anthem. Written in the middle of the night, the song is a testament to facing down our fears. Livy's fans spread the word that they wanted to show the icon from down under that she was in their thoughts and that they knew she wasn't going to give in to it. The honestly devoted fans, see what I did there, folks, honestly devoted, yeah, there you go. The honestly devoted fans coordinated to buy the track from Amazon in solidarity on the same day with the hopes of seeing the Latin-tinged up-tempo song chart. Not only did the plan work, but it took the song all the way to number one on the pop rock chart. Those are some loyal fans for an awesome artist. Best thoughts to Livy as she beats this once again and returns to the stage to celebrate her music. And my last item in out films. Breaking Glass Pictures has released the new queer film, Handsome Devil. Currently in limited release today in New York City and Los Angeles and available on demand this coming Tuesday, June 6th. Set in a boys' boarding school, the Ernest characters deliver a charming and charismatic coming-of-age story that's reminiscent of Dead Poet Society. Here's the official synopsis. Ned, the bullied outsider, and Connor, the new boy and star athlete, are forced to room together at their boarding school. The boys take an instant dislike to each other and seem destined to remain enemies until an English teacher begins to drill into them the value of finding one's own voice. This lesson, however, isn't appreciated by everyone, particularly rugby coach Pascal, who has his own agenda and harbors some deep suspicions about the boy's teacher. Handsome Devil was written and directed by John Butler and stars Andrew Scott, Fiona Shea, and Nicholas Galitzine. And as I mentioned, it's currently in limited release now in New York and L.A., but look for it on demand this coming Tuesday, June 6th. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy the podcast, I want to ask a favor. Please make sure you hit the subscribe button on my page on iTunes, and then every time I upload a new episode, it'll be sent straight to you automatically. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I report on the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBT community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. 